I know that these days, a lot of people who used to commute down into Chicago on a daily basis don't necessarily do that anymore. But if you used to do that regularly, or even if you just stick down occasionally, if you ever walk down LaSalle Street, just north of the Loop, if you're walking along, something will catch your eye, at least when you go by it the first time. So you're going by buildings, businesses, it's not exactly the shopping district, kind of a business session. And you're walking along, you're walking along, and you come to a building that isn't particularly striking. And then all of a sudden, you go by a bench, which is a lot closer to the sidewalk than you'd expect it to be. And on the bench, there's this guy laying, clearly a homeless person, just all kind of covered up in a, a ragged cloak, can't see his face. And what's striking is, tragically, but normally, quote-unquote, you'd expect to see them sort of in an alley or tucked away over a grate with heat coming up, just not there, that close to the sidewalk, and certainly not right on a bench. You could reach out and touch him. Now, if those of you know who I'm, what I'm talking about, you know that this bench is in front of the Catholic Charities Building, downtown on LaSalle Street. And you know that the man stretched out there, wrapped up in a cloak, is made of bronze. It's a famous sculpture called The Homeless Jesus. And it's right there in front of Catholic Charities. And it's exactly life-size. I still remember the first time I saw it many years ago. And there it is, and you walk by every day. And that, so the sculptor wants us to realize, and it's not all that bad of a depiction, is Jesus, our Christ, the one whom we celebrate today as our King. Now I want you to look at these sculptures. We'll be handing them out at the end of Mass to some very worthy volunteers here at St. Joe's. And um, I ate my Wheaties today. These are quite heavy, actually. So if you're one of the honored volunteers, you know, don't worry, but don't drop it. You won't. It's a beautiful sculpture, though, right? This isn't dark bronze, it's white marble. And it's Joseph and Mary, and they're holding the infant Jesus, this tiny little baby. And what you see there is certainly a depiction of love. Jesus held lovingly, but he's very small. He's very small, he's tiny, he's a newborn baby. And over on LaSalle Street, you see this grown man abandoned, curled up in an old ragged cloak. What you may not know is that the very same sculptor did both of those statues. His name is Tim Schmaltz. He did The Homeless Jesus down on LaSalle Street. He did this one called A Quiet Moment, which we have replicas here. And I just invite us to think about that for a moment, those bookends of the life of Jesus starting out so small, and not just physically small, as any baby is, but small and nondescript in this town in northern Israel and Galilee, nothing particularly striking about his family, nothing about him that you take notice of once the shepherds go away on Christmas morning, but a pretty unimpressive family and a pretty unimpressive boy. And you can't get much less impressive than the lifeless body huddling on a bench in the middle of a city. And yet both of those smallnesses, if I can put it that way, both of those smallnesses 
encompass what we celebrate today, the Feast of Christ the King. Now, if it were up to me, if the church had asked my advice, and be glad that they didn't, but if they had, and they said, what reading do you want on the Feast of Christ the King? I mean, maybe I'd choose the Resurrection, maybe I'd choose the Ascension, the Transfiguration, one of those moments when clearly Jesus appears in all his glory. And instead, what the church gives us is almost the dying breath of Jesus on the cross. And yes, we're so familiar with that. We know that our king is this king who dies on the cross before he rises in glory. But of everything we could have selected to celebrate his kingship, that's the moment that we hold up. So how do we leverage that, if I can put it that way? How do we actually make this feast day be something for us? God didn't become human for his sake. God became human for our sake. And I think the wrong way to celebrate the Feast of Christ the King is to simply sit back and say, Lord, you are glorious. You are commander of everything. You dominate the universe. When the church says, I want you to think about his last breath on the cross, which is basically what you'd think about if you were walking along the South Street and you saw this homeless guy wrapped up in rags on a bench. Because, thank goodness, we don't crucify people today. So maybe our closest version of something that can repel us or make us think, boy, I'm glad that's not me. Or won't somebody go and help this person? It's what you see in that sculpture. And so that's what we celebrate in a way. And how do we make it work for us? How do we resist that human temptation to say, no, kings sit on thrones and they command armies and they've got lots of money, and if they're good, they protect us? How do you actually put the fact that today we celebrate the lifeless death of Jesus before he rises in his glory? And I'd like to suggest that we don't need to look any further than his companions on the cross. This tale of two thieves, right? Yes, we have the good thief and the bad thief, but they're both thieves, and they've both been condemned to death. How do they try to use Jesus' kingship? How do they try to use who this person is in their midst? The bad thief, what does he do? What he essentially does is what I would often do if you said you've got a king in your midst. It's like, okay, if you've got this power, then do something about it. Do something to help me. You can help yourself as well. And that's basically what they were saying before we got to that point in the gospel. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. If you are the Messiah, all that means is the return of the great king like David. Then take yourself off the cross. And what the thief does basically is he plays into his victimhood. You know, yeah, I'm here, but I don't want to be here. I've been put here. He's not saying, I deserve to be here. He's not talking about his crimes. And Jesus, if you can do anything, then bail me out. Get us out of here. It's so tempting because it's so grounded in human nature to say, Lord, if you're a king, then that's what you should do. Solve this problem, fix this relationship, heal this marriage, cure this illness. Can't you do something, Lord? And we know all the right words, we know the prayers and the hymns and all of that, but when the chips are down, is it really Christ taking his last breath on the cross that we somehow can leverage? 
So in our Grow series, you know, we're saying, say yes to God, say yes to God. And the little theme they gave us for tonight is, say yes to the greatest gift of God. This gift of His life for us. And that's a worthy thing to say and pray about. But what does it really mean? What does it mean to say yes to Jesus giving his life for us? And I think what it means is to somehow enter into these bookends of Jesus' own life as the one sculptor gives us in these two statues. That ability to say, Lord, I want to be with you in my brokenness. I want to be with you precisely in those areas where I can feel like the victim, where I don't want to acknowledge that I'm here for a reason, that I'm suffering things because maybe of other people that I've hurt. And Lord, I'm not asking you to magically change everything, but I'm asking you to be with me here in it. I want you to be with me precisely where I feel like myself I'm suffering, where I feel small, where I know that I'm dealing with the choices that I've made and the choices that other people have made. To be able to say yes to Christ's ultimate gift of his very own life for us has to mean we see a point of communion in those very areas of our life where we feel maybe most forgotten or most hurt ourselves or most downtrodden or whatever it is that makes us feel small. So maybe just as a little spiritual exercise to ask yourself, where do you feel most broken tonight? I mean, it sounds like such a happy thought, but it gets better. Where do you feel small? And maybe you feel small in that way. Maybe you feel small simply because you don't have a lot of power. You're not calling the shots. Maybe you feel loved but still you don't feel like you're able to do much to solve the problem that you're wrestling with. Or maybe you feel small at the other end, the other sculpture. Maybe you feel small because you feel abandoned or unloved. Maybe you feel small because of choices that you've made that have been a source of shame or embarrassment and that isolation just comes. So no, you're not laying homeless on a park bench, but it can almost feel like you're that unrecognized. It's a mistake to celebrate the Feast of Christ the King just by looking at Easter glory. And the church stubbornly says, I'm not going to let you off the hook. I'm going to force you with love, but I'm going to force you to look at Jesus on the cross. And there is where I want you to bow down, and there is where I want you to pay your homage. That sculptor, David Schmaltz, is really onto something. And so you may not get a chance to look at these sculptures up close, but maybe an interesting little pilgrimage if you've never seen it. Go down to LaSalle Street and just head north from the loop. And don't pre-program where you're going to walk into that statue. Just let yourself be taken by surprise if you've never seen it before. Because our great king lives between that and between the homeless guy on the bench.